The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Well, guns up, giddy up. There's usually uh, another voice saying what I'm saying right now. And uh, sadly, that voice is incapable of doing any of that today. Uh, welcome to Failure to Stop. This is the Friday Breakdown. Hi, I'm Drew Breezy. I'm going to be carrying you uh, today. I'm going to be carrying our old our friend Eric Tanzi. I'm going to straighten my camera. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about something. we got a serious matter afoot. Um, Tansy is dead. Tansy is not deceased. He is. Oh. Uh, he, he is on his, on the bed of his uh, demise, uh, which is, by the way, a ghost bed. We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, thank you for ghost bed. Uh, but Eric is uh, currently extremely under the weather, and we've been having weather uh, issues lately. I want to do this though. I'm going to show you something uh in support of uh of eric uh because uh you know thoughts and prayers just aren't enough anymore we need merch and when eric is down when the big when the captain of the ship is in the galley of the sub below the ghost bed bin uh we we have to honor him so we have created merchandise this is something you probably can't see. This is what it says. It says throat strong tansy. We do believe he has strep throat. We think that that is his issue. We're not a thousand percent sure. There is no threat of gonorrhea that we know of. Uh, but that again uh, is uh, it's always that, course, a possibility. It's always a possibility. And that of course is a HIPAA violation and just as fertile as that, um, bedchamber is in the tansy household it is quite possible that actually he is pregnant so uh we are thinking about you eric tansy all the blue we are thinking about you ashley anything. i'm sorry what was that i said all the blue chew can make anything possible so all the blue chew can make anything possible we are going to try to crowbar as many ad things as we can <laughs> so <clears throat> we are talking uh we're, today we're going to have a great show i promise you uh, I, I will rely on your uh, interaction in the chats. Elijah's going to help me out, the underpaid producer. He's going to help me out a little bit by pointing out when you have good or and or great questions uh, because, uh, you know, I kind of need your help on this one. I'll be fine. I, I will also, uh, do my best. I ate, some, I ate some peanut butter over the top last night, so I may have to run to the bathroom a couple of times. Peanut so... butter over the top is a type of ice cream. He is not talking about a new position. But I mean, he, uh, he ate some I peanut butter over the top ice cream. He said that there are uh, chunks of fudge, and it sounds delightful. I'm an ice cream guy uh, since stopping alcohol. I, I've replaced alcohol with, uh, or I've, yes, replaced alcohol with ice cream. Uh, so I'm somewhat of a connoisseur. I got to be honest. I was in heaven when I went to Cincinnati because there was a graders there. I was promised graders. I didn't get graders. Speaking of Cincinnati. There's a podcast that's run out of there. It's called One More and I'm Out of Here. And uh, One More mm, I'm Out of Here, I guess, is the actual proper name of it. They have a YouTube channel. You should go there. You should subscribe. Those guys from that podcast, Rob Herking, the attorney, who looks like he's wearing a disguise at all times, 
Jason, the firefighter, who looks like Jason, the firefighter. He's also known as uh, Chief Keith. Chief Keith. Chief Keith. And then there is uh, uh, Dan Carroll, who is a broadcaster and a professional one at that. Uh, obviously, the brains of the operation. Um, they're going to meet us in Clayton, North Carolina, and I hope you will too. We're going to be down there on, uh, I, I will personally be there Wednesday. Eric Tanzi is going to be there because he lives there. Hopefully, he will have been released from his uh, facility by then. And we are going to have a good old time. Uh, Jonathan, my, uh, my co-host on uh, the Com Center, uh, and if you missed last night's episode, I, I don't say shame on you. I say go back and watch it. I say let it download as a podcast. And, and literally download it to your uh, machines, uh, whatever machines you use for podcasting purposes, because we get uh, definitely get paid by the download or we get credit anyway. Uh, just makes it easier on us if you actually download the podcast. Certainly not telling us, you what to uh, do with you. It helps us sell ads, actually. It helps us sell <laughs> ads. It also, uh, you know, and I am not telling you to go into the Walmart or the, the Best Buy and find the Apple products that are on demonstration there and hit the download button on all of their apps yeah. for uh, any of the Failure to Stop podcasts. I'm not telling you to do that. If you do that on your own, that's on you. I don't think it's illegal, but uh, whatever. So at any rate, we're going to be having a good old time with those guys from uh, Dead Leg Media. Josh from Dead Leg Media is going to be um, there with us as well in, in Clayton. Uh, we will be missing and singing the praises and good graces of uh, Elijah. But uh, to take all of our minds off of it, we will have the wonderful and beautiful Andrea of Andrea Uplate, who runs a little podcast, a true crime podcast known as uh, Night Shift. You can watch that on Tuesday nights. There's all kinds of fun in store. There's charcuterie boards. There's probably some type of rum because that's what Eric does in real life. Um, there's going to be great conversations. Uh, from what I understand, the weather, and we're, we, we use uh, Josh's um, dead leg as the, uh, as the barometer. So from what I understand, it is going to be cool while we are there, which is always good for me because uh, it allows me to wear like outer layers, uh, which covers up certain parts of me. And I, I, I prefer that. It just makes me look. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of good reels on this episode. Oh, we should get we should get plenty of good reels out of this one. Uh, and, and if not, somebody's asleep at the reel. Anyway, we are going to talk about uh, a, a case out of the D.C. metro area. That if you don't know, D.C. metro is patrolled by uh, a, a, um, a police department known as D.C. metro. They also have uh, the most law enforcement officers per capita in the United States. I'll bet you didn't know that. And the reason being is there's a lot of headquarters there and, and such. However, there's also the U.S. Park Police who uh, have jurisdiction just like D.C. Metro. And those two agencies combined and did, a, uh, did an intensive vehicle theft investigation, a stolen auto investigation where they found a driver asleep behind the wheel and uh, it turned into a deadly force situation. So we're going to break down the body-worn camera and some of the other stuff uh, for that. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say something? No. Okay, so uh, I'm hearing voices uh, in my head. I, I hope Oh, you... did you accidentally play something? Oh, probably. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to go to a news story real quick. Uh, 
and then we'll get to some of your reviews. But and this is what I want to discuss a little bit here. There's a headline from the law officer uh, website. It says at least 40 undercover informants uh, were doing surveillance on January 6th, a lawyer says. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I can tell you that I've been to many events like this in a working capacity. I, I can tell you that I've been in as an under in an undercover capacity in large scale events. You're going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, a large presence of law enforcement in plain clothes, mingling in the crowd, looking for roustabouts, looking for threats. You're able to get in, uh, in and out of the crowd a little bit better because, uh, if you get a description of somebody that's, you know, perhaps, made a thread and is not supposed to be there or somebody that we've been looking for, you're able to navigate through the crowd a little bit better than if you were wearing a full suit or you're wearing some type of markings that say police. So uh, it's completely on the up and up that it's, it's mainly for the crowd safety. It's also for intelligence gathering purposes. It's also, uh, you know, uh, without giving away secret service tactics, I don't know what, what I shouldn't say, but I mean, there's there's there are plainclothes people all over the place and they're just kind of keeping an eye on things so you never know who the cops are and who the cops aren't this is kind of unprecedented i i would think maybe but um you know they the fbi is uh or, or it says at least 40 undercover informants were doing surveillance on january 6th uh the government actually admitted that that eight fbi confidential human sources were embedded among the proud boys uh, and that all came according to a court filing. We've talked a little bit about this on uh, the uh, breakdown on Friday breakdowns before, but they're saying at least uh, 40 undercover informants engaging in surveillance work among the defendants on January 6th. Uh, one of the, uh, the Roger Roots is one of the uh, attorneys. Uh, he, he says it, uh, um, his client, Dominic Pizzola, is currently standing federal trial in D.C. with the group's former national chairman, Enrique Tario, and members uh, Ethan Nordine, Joseph Biggs, and Zachary Rail for uh, allegedly conspiring to oppose the January 2021 transfer of presidential power and related charges. The government admitted Tuesday that eight FBI confidential human sources were embedded among the Proud Boys on January 6th. And they reported that in a court filing saying that the Homeland Security Investigations uh, Agency appears to have had some 19 informants active at the time. Uh, at least 13 undercover plainclothes D.C. Metro agents were among the January 6th defendants that day. Um, and uh, he reported that, to, that federal prosecutors revealed information involving 12 of the officers on Friday. Some of the undercover officers marched with the Proud Boy March, Roots said, and some appear to have played roles of instigators in that they are seen on body-worn videos chanting, go, go, and stop the steal and White House, our house, on January 6th. Others generally followed demonstrations toward the Capitol. Here's my opinion. Here's where I come in on this. Uh, informants are informants. Informants are going to be embedded in the group, and the informants have to act as if they're in the group or they're no good as informants because people are going to pick them out pretty quickly and not give them the information they need. So I get that. Officers who are working in an undercover capacity, unless they have been um, like ingrained in the organization itself, probably shouldn't be acting in that way. If you're, if you're just cold, like in plain clothes and just happen to show up that day to be part of the counter surveillance team or to be some type of uh, the, the, 
the, the plain close surveillance team within the protest, your job is to observe and just, just kind of walk with them and make sure that they are staying within the line, so to speak. Uh, and if somebody is getting out of line or somebody's committing a crime, you, you're not to act. You're just to point, you know, uh, get a hold of an officer uh, in a predetermined way and, and you kind of point out and, and tell them what's going on. You're definitely not supposed to be inciting anybody. So I don't know if if this is being painted by the attorney, uh, you know, as one picture and it was actually another or if this was, you know, unjust and unfair, as we talked about, but uh, as we've talked about before, but there was a uh, there was a heavy uh, informant presence. That's something that uh, the FBI uh, hadn't previously admitted. And with good reason, uh, I've talked about that as well. Like, um, I think a lot of people made a lot of uh, flap over Ted Cruz's line of questioning to Director Ray about can't you just answer the question if there were informants there or not? And I know he's not able to answer that question. He's not going to give away details and he's not going to give away, he's definitely not going to give away uh, tactics. So um, Ted Cruz knows that as well. He's just trying to paint a certain picture. So uh, politics is at play on both sides of this thing here. Uh, as far as the January 6th defendants uh, are, are concerned, I, I don't want to be incarcerated myself, so I'll, I'll keep most of my opinion to myself. But I mean, I don't know that we're being told the whole story, and I don't think that uh, – I, I don't trust anything the media says, the, the mainstream media. I'll just leave it at that. How about that? Uh, because they'll probably downgrade and cut my internet, and we've got a whole show to get through. So that's that. Uh, we do have a couple of um, – of reviews yes we do we have one very long-winded review uh which one do you want first the short and sweet one or the <laughs> crazy okay, let's do the, long one let's do the short and sweet one okay so i can so i can get this uh get these uh tonsils working here this is uh five stars and ghost bed for money i'm a long-time listener since you started i'm giving you five stars and i bought a ghost bed recently so you guys can afford to buy better internet Thank you and stay hard. You know, that does sound familiar. I think we may have rehashed that one, but it was so good. And it was a, such a five-star. I give that rating five stars. And the when rating was itself was five oh, stars. Oh, why was it the most recent one? Oh, I, I might have know. uploaded the wrong. But but also Whoops. Apple tends to. It like kicked I, I know it up to the most recent one. This one is definitely a new one. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. <clears throat> I will attempt to do this you know, in all English. All you can see is Drew's forehead. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here, look. I'm like a gopher. Like a, uh, what do they call those? Uh, what are those? Uh, field somethings. Field that, mice. That, that, it's just a gopher. Okay. He, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, gopher. Gopher is a character on the love boat. Hendo 808 four five six back in april said <clears throat> and i think i know who this is hello to my nsa agent uh 100 parentheses drink close parent this podcast will lend you on a watch list that list of people will uh we like to call ourselves the wolf pack here in the Wolfpack, we only sleep on ghost beds while waiting for the next major news story to break. Eric, Drew, Andrea, John, UPP, and me, maybe some bias a bit. And soon, Jay, bring the Wolfpack for almost five shows a week from True Crime on 
Nye shift with Andrea up late. Everything you need to know, but uh, to not have to talk about dead babies and domestic violence on last call. The number one show for dispatchers and first responders, which is Com Center with Drew Breezy and John, insert government name here, close parent. And then Eric and Drew round out the week with our flagship breakdowns, where retired law enforcement officers break down complex cases so the Wolfpack knows what's really going on. Turn off Taylor Swift and tune into Failure to Stop. No regrets, spelled R-A-G-R-E-T-S intentionally. This was an this was a four star five star review. I appreciate Josh at Deadleg Media, uh, who I believe was the culprit behind this one. Uh, I will take a lot of flack from people in my own household for saying anything negative about Taylor Swift. I will say that this uh, failure to stop today is Taylor's version. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so here we go. We can probably get into the news story uh, that we're going to cover I, or I the actually, breakdown. I would like to um, add one thing. Um, people, we've gotten some reviews, and I'm going to try to add this. I know Eric wanted to address this this week. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Obviously, he's I dying. Have a feeling. Uh, so here, I'm going to just add this in here real quick before we move on. So somebody less left this. Um, you are loosing me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> this is one uh, of my pet peeves i gotta be honest uh lo loosing and loose I, I can't stand when people confuse loose lose and loose it's I even cannot... worse than your and your or there and there like yeah because that's almost understandable but but I, you know what else i can't understand is when uh we need a strong women in the white house w-o-m-a-n i mean w-o-m-e-n <laughs> like they oh, always man, use the plural you're, you're tripping yourself up but this says, uh, you are loosing me. I've been a fan. Uh, this is a two-star review in full disclosure. I've been a fan and listening since day one. The recent addition of ad interruptions during each episode have me dropping this podcast like Mike did. Uh, please, I beg of you, go back to fun ad reads. Well, here's the deal. Uh, first of all, Mike didn't drop this podcast. And uh, Mike I, I am Mike's <laughs> son. Uh, first of all, so <laughs> we I, may have a connection or two to Mike I, still. I'm still involved. <laughs> he literally just didn't want to do any police related content uh, anymore. Um, he, I, I have the feeling was. I, I really have the feeling like and, and he's doing he's thriving. He's doing great. And uh, first of all, if you're not listening to what used to be known as off the cuff with uh, Elijah, with with Mike and Dave, they have their own show on Mike the Cops channel. Please listen to them. Watch them. I do. I contribute in the comments. I have fun. They're funny people. Secondly, Mike didn't leave us. He just wanted to do other things. And it is my guess, and I don't speak for Mike the cop. I drew the cop. Uh, but <laughs> it's my guess that comments like that are probably what drove him insane. Like, just you guys just... <clears throat> cops are the worst at adapting to change and I get it. And I, and I do understand that I'm just some new face around here and I'm not, I, I'm not taking this personal though. It may sound like I am and it's probably going to get worse in a second, but uh, you know, Mike just wanted to do his own thing and uh, he's helping the law enforcement community exponentially in what he's doing with his 10 seven project. He's still, from what I understand, involved in humanizing the badge. He was in our chats, not more than two, two shows ago, just kind of making an appearance we're not enemies with Mike the cop. I, I, Mike the cop is the OG in my opinion. He's the he set the standard. He's the reason I'm here, 
And in fact, just four months into this, I'm, I'm running the show myself because, you know, our poor co-host is um, Tansy. And again, we're going to go throat strong for Tansy. Donate now, get a free bracelet. <laughs> that may or may it's not, not be a contest. A uh, but really, so yeah, he's not. Oh, they add It's not like ahead. he has just ditched us. Um, no. But also, as far as those random ad inserts, um, we switched to a new platform, and to put our podcast out uh, to every other platform because you have to do that through another platform. I know that sounds kind of confusing, but. We have um, we have minimum barriers that we have to hit, like we have caps that we got to get to, right. to to bring in this everyone content. who does the show to bring you guys content. And uh, yeah, it's just something that we've had to do. I've actually dialed back the ads a little bit, um, but it it's so you guys can listen to something for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we put okay, out well, four to five shows a week and just wanted to address that well here's and i'm glad you said that i'm glad you're addressing it here's here's something that would drive me insane about this because because i get where this this person is coming from when you say for free you can pay and and this is between like the, the platform i'm not going to take you too far deep here but the platform that we've switched to is is actually owned by spotify it's called megaphone and they're like they're a podcast administrator. You can integrate your ads into this thing. It just makes it easier from a management standpoint and it makes it easier for accountability and to show advertisers like what our numbers are. So, you know, they'll advertise with us and, and again, to bring you free stuff. So I, I can understand where people are thinking, well, I pay a premium to Spotify for ad free music. And that's the key because Spotify will tell you this is a Spotify issue. Uh, yes, you're paying for ad-free music. You're not paying for ad-free po podcasts. So in other words, if you go to their leading podcaster, and, and we're, right, we're right behind them, don't get me wrong. Uh, Joe Rogan, he knows. He knows we're climbing up the charts right yep, behind Yep, he's scared of us. He's a little intimidated by us, but he's <clears throat> he is um, his podcast is uh, is laden with ads, whether you're a premium subscriber or not. Try listening to one of his ads. Uh, try listening to one of his podcasts on Spotify, and rewinding while you're doing something because you missed the last statement. You're going to have to sit through an ad, and you can forward through that ad, but it's going to play you another ad. So even Joe Rogan is not immune from this. We're not the only podcast that this affects. So uh, here's what I would offer you, and I'm I'm not telling you to to turn away from our advertisers. I'm not telling you. <clears throat> But the workaround is you can download it on Apple. You can download it on Google. You can download it on now YouTube um, because YouTube has started their own podcast platform. So I would, uh, we obviously prefer you um, uh, spend your money with the uh, advertisers that help us keep the ship afloat and help us bring you the content that we bring you. We don't want to chase anybody away with ad reads. Uh, that's the last thing we want to do. However, uh, we, have a business to run and we're, we're, we're doing our best to, to kind of bring you the, the stuff and, and people have to be paid. The underpaid producer is underpaid. There's still the word paid in there somewhere. So we've got to figure out a way to compensate people. And that's what we're doing. And I, I, I can, you know, in full disclosure, tell you that I'm not eating cat food uh, <laughs> every week, uh, like broke, but 
I'm living off a pension. I'm not living off of podcasting and, and YouTube. I can promise you that. Uh, so uh, I, I'm just doing this because I, I enjoy the interaction. I love the Wolfpack I, and, and I feel the love that the Wolfpack has. And uh, also, I've always wanted to advocate for the dispatchers and and that's where I'm headed and, and for, you know, law enforcement, mental health. So Elijah, underpaid producer, Eric Tanzi, I am so glad that you brought that up. And I hope this clears the air. We're not trying to nickel and dime anybody. We're not trying to shove ads down your throat. Although, uh, once again, we're throat strong for Tansy. But uh, things, uh, things are the way they are. And uh, there, there are workarounds. And if we, you know, hopefully can guide you in the right direction, uh, stick with us. We don't want to lose you. And someone, um, someone mentioned, I wish uh, Eric was uh, yeah here. Uh, I wish Eric could have been here to address this. Yeah, Eric would have said the same thing, and Eric probably would have went on some really long rant. Um, so <laughs> I, I feel like it was probably a good thing we did, did it without him. And also, I, I don't. If you need to hear about, it from Eric, uh, we'll make sure that you you hear it from Eric. Like, we can send us a DM with your phone number. I'll have him call you. Yeah. Also, uh, the whole Roachgate thing is coming up again. Yeah, I sold my house. Um. There's God a, bless we you. We did a whole last call episode. It was being invaded by roaches. I got out. <laughs> so <laughs> it's over. <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, according to Eric, you lived at one point in Juanadate. Yep, Juanadate. And I went to high school, ironically, with a guy named Juanadate. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he is, uh, Elijah's been freed from the roach infested. Yes. Uh, village he lived in and uh he is currently enjoying his upside down peanut butter bar ice cream or whatever it's called somewhere else all right anyways back to the actual content (laughs) anywho today we're going to talk again about the officer involved shooting that took place in a a joint investigation of a stolen car in the dc metro area i think what we'll start off with is something to make you angry i'm going to play the attorney's press conference for you. And I am, I, uh, I, I don't want to say that this guy is a, um, I, I don't want to say that he is a Ben Crump wannabe. I will tell you that he is a Ben Crump gonna be. Now, let me, let me frame what happened here. And, and, and let me give you full disclosure. I'm not a thousand percent sure that this is a justified shooting. I'm not even a hundred percent sure that this is a justified shooting. We're going to talk about it in depth. You're going to see body camera footage. You can make your own decisions. Um, I, I'm just going to lend some experience in, into the matter. And essentially what happened was this was in January. Uh, I'm sorry. It was in early March. There was a young man. Uh, there, there were, first of all, Hyundai's and Honda's uh, or Hyundai's and, um, there's another type of car. I just, it, it escapes me are very popular right now as stolen vehicles. They're very, they're quite frequently stolen and DC's having that same problem, uh, that everybody else was. So what essentially happened was, uh, and I do see Will Cray already saying that it was an armed kidnapping of a police officer. I want to talk about that for a second. So Kia's thank you, uh, dead leg Kia and, uh, and Hyundai are very, uh, very popularly stolen vehicles. So, so a DC Metro officer pulls up on a, a young man asleep at the wheel of a white Hyundai Tucson, an SUV. He runs the tag. The tag comes back to another vehicle. He looks in. The guy's still sleeping, and the ignition is 
tampered with. I, I, I always thought that they all had electronic ignitions, but I'm, I've been out of the game for a little bit. So I don't know exactly what the deal is with that. So <clears throat> anywho, uh, there they are. Um, he calls for backup rightly. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you what you're about to see in a minute, but he calls for backup rightly and they formulate a plan. They formulate the plan to get into this car and pin this guy's arms down so that he can't go anywhere or put the car in gear. There are specific instructions that are given by a supervisor that are, that is on the scene. Once all of this went down, um, they startled the driver. They did their best. I think that the plan was not foolproof, but it was a, it was decent. At least it was thought out. There was some forethought put into it. I think there were some lessons learned. I think there were things that they could have done differently. And, and hindsight is always 2020. And, and I'm going to tell you this, I, I don't know where anybody else stands on this, but I, I don't care if he was a car thief or not. We, we lost a young man. He was shot and killed by police and, and he was killed. I mean, he was, he wasn't murdered as they're about to portray to you, but um, we don't, I, I'm not rooting for death. Like I'm, I'm rooting for the protection of life. Uh, it just so happens that death occurred in this case. And I don't think it's as cut and dry as everybody wants to believe it is, but that's Drew's opinion. And we're going to see some evidence in a minute here. So eventually what happened is they're struggling with this guy. He startles, he wakes up, they, they identify themselves. They're in full uniform and he puts the car in drive and, and takes off. The problem is there is a DC or a U.S. park police officer still in the back seat. Um, so he, uh, the U S park police officer tells him a few times to stop, to stop, to stop. And he warns him, I'm going to shoot you and ends up shooting him and he kills him. Uh, the, the driver died instantly and they drove into a house, the DC Metro officer, they immediately administered first aid to the, the person, the, the, the suspect, they, uh, transported the DC Metro officer, uh, to the hospital because, you know, he was involved in this accident. And additionally, you're going to see there was a sergeant, a DC, a, a, I'm sorry, the, the U.S. Park Police officer. And additionally, there was a U.S. Park Police uh, sergeant uh, that was uh, run over by this suspect. So there were plenty of crimes that occurred. It's just the, the matter of uh, the use of deadly force and the exigency involved that I want to talk about a little bit more. So let's, let's talk uh, or let's, let's take a look at, uh, where did it go? Uh, we'll take a look at the, um, here it is. We're going to take a look at the press conference that the attorney gave. Cause, uh, I, I see some issues with this. This, uh, this is titled by the way, family demands name of officer. So here we go. Just bear with old man Drew as he pulls up whatever he's <laughs> looking for. Normally, Eric could provide a colored commentary, but oh, there we go. Taking the life. How long will we as a community have to continue to have the talk with our young black children? Because okay, so I, I got to rewind a little bit. This, this guy... It just, he, he enrages me for a few reasons. First of all, there's a concept known 
uh, in legal circles as something that has completely slipped my mind. But basically what it means is if you're the first guy to the microphone, that's who everyone's going to believe. It doesn't matter if the, so the cops won't be able to get there first to defend themselves. This guy's going to get on the camera and tell you all about how cops are murderers and targeting black men. Uh, and it's uh, it's a travesty and it's dangerous to our society, in my opinion. From George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Leonard Shan, Manuel Oates, Ron Brown, Zaris Wilson, Troy Bullock, and countless others whose lives have been taken away because all police officers want to do is shoot first and ask questions later. I have issue with that. All we want to do is shoot first and ask questions later. I, I, uh, I, I went through 29 years of law enforcement. I never shot once. And I asked a lot of questions. And uh, I know that I'm not alone in this. And uh, you'll see from this video, this ain't about shooting first and asking questions later. They exhausted a lot of methods. And what I'm not hearing anywhere in this conversation, which is very odd to me, is, well, he's a generally a good kid, but he was stealing a car. He was in the process of sitting uh, asleep in a stolen car. Oh, by the way, he had a gun in there, which was discovered after the fact, by the way. But let's, let's go on a little bit. How long will they be able to hide behind their badge? I'm not hiding behind anything. I'm right here. To justify taking a life. How long will we as a community have to continue to have the talk with our young black children? Do you mean the talk where you're saying Hey, do me a favor and don't be out at 8.30 on a Saturday morning from Friday night in the process of stealing a car. Is that the talk you're talking about? Because, yeah, I encourage that talk. You probably should have that talk with your young black children as you are painting them. Because they are treated differently by police. Yep. We arrest people that break the law. Black, white, doesn't matter. They're definitely treated differently. They treat you differently on the street. They treat you differently during traffic stops. And in cases like Breonna Taylor, they treat you differently in their homes. Really? Delaneo did not have to die. I agree with that. We will pursue justice for Delaneo with or without the help of the federal government or the District of Columbia. This is always what I find interesting. They always say they want justice for Delaneo or they're gonna pursue justice, but they're not looking for justice. They're looking for revenge. If they were looking for justice, and again, I, I feel horrible for this mother. She's, she's being misguided by this attorney, in my opinion. You're gonna hear her in a minute. She takes zero responsibility for what the kid did. She takes uh, nothing but uh, uh, hostility towards police for doing what their job is that that went awry but it went awry not because the officer just decided to start poking the bear so to speak with her son it went awry because her son committed a crime and they were investigating it <laughs> if you don't do that you probably won't be in that situation right and to the park police union chief 
who condones this killing, shame on you. I hope that you never have to experience the pain that Miss Martin has had to endure, that her family has had to endure. Okay, fair enough. I hope that nobody has to endure the pain of losing a child. You have to take responsibility for that child at some point. Maybe your first press conference shouldn't be at his death. Maybe your first pr press conference should be, my son got caught stealing cars 61 times. I, I don't know what this kid, I don't know what his criminal history is. I'm not saying that that's the case here. I'm saying in most cases, the first time you hear from any parent with this long, um, with the gallons of tears that come out, and I get it. I understand you're losing a baby. You lost your baby a long time ago, though, to the streets. It's that simple. You're, 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 you're blaming the police for an issue that starts in the home. And it could be an unmanageable situation. I understand that. I have empathy for that. But blaming the police for this, um, whether it was bad policy that caused the death, that remains to be seen. And there will be accountability. There, there always is. But he's painting this picture that we're just careless murderers, and we know that that's not true. So, so he gives her permission to speak now. Um, seen the video yesterday of my son being murdered. I'm lost. Like, my kids got a door. Seeing their brother murdered all over national TV. I want the officer name released immediately. What's that gonna do? I want him arrested. What's that gonna do? I want him to stop getting paid. What's that gonna do? He murdered my son and still home with his family, not doing no work and getting paid. Right. Do you? But you don't want him on the street, do you? Because he's a careless murderer. So here's the thing. He's when you when when we talk about or when when the the when cases like this show up, it's always about how the officers get a paid vacation, or they're on state you know state sponsored time and they they get paid to just sit around and do nothing. Are you kidding me? Do you think that the guy that shot this kid is not? is not processing is not dealing with the fact that he took somebody's life do you think that his life is not going to change forever and ever it's it's not the same level of sympathy i get he didn't die he took the life of somebody that he thought he had to take at that moment and if you're going to punish people by taking away their salaries for making the decision to save their life or somebody else's life you're not going to get anybody to do this job and that's what we're seeing in the United States, across the United States as it is. It's, you're seeing the big mass exodus from law enforcement because of this, because this attorney wants a payday for this family. It's not about vengeance. It's not about justice. It's about revenge. And there's a huge difference between justice and revenge. And it's a cash cow. It's an opportunity to make money. And if you wanted true justice, why don't we try, why don't we try this case of the stolen motor vehicle in his absence, in his death. And if he's found guilty, 
okay, then you can't go forward anymore. But the, the, but, the, but the law doesn't work that way. The law favors now this kid because he was killed in the process of committing uh, multiple felonies, by the way, which were discovered after the fact. So they're investigating a felony. Uh, it just so happens that the officer put himself in a very precarious spot and had to take um, deadly force, had to use deadly force to take the, to, to, to what he perceived to risk it, uh, to save his own life. Um, and, and somehow this is uh, the government's responsibility to pay this family for, for the child's loss. Who's going to pay for the victim of the car? Listen, it, it, it's, it, the life of the child is not replaceable with the, with the car. I, I, it, they're not on the same parallel. But there's no responsibility. If he were successfully apprehended, we would never hear about this case. And that person would be out their car. That's it. I mean, like, at what point are we going to start protecting the people that pay taxes, the people that aren't committing crimes, the high majority, the high majority in the black community, the 99% that aren't, aren't out committing crimes. That's who's being protected. But for some reason, we're going to kowtow to this 1%, the criminal. And when you canonize the criminals, they're going to take the country over. It's that simple. They're going to work their way into, uh, they're, they're going to find a way to work their way into p positions of being lawmakers. They're going to capitalize on shootings like this and ingratiate themselves with the black community and make them believe that they're going to do something for them. And they're not just like this attorney, this attorney, if this attorney is so, uh, and I don't know what the terms of their, uh, agreement is, but if he's so, uh, adamant that this is just a, an innocent young black man whose life was taken. He can't even say unarmed black man, but if he, if he's going to compare him to Breonna Taylor, if he's going to prepare, uh, compare him to George Floyd, hopefully he's doing this pro bono. He's doing it for free. He's not doing it for 33 and a third of whatever millions he's going to, they're going to end up getting just to make this case go away. Let's be realistic about it. Let's be honest about it. I'm not pro killing this kid. Uh, I, I do understand the position that people are saying he was he was committing an armed kidnapping of a law enforcement officer. I understand where you're saying that. The law enforcement officer put himself in that position. It's very complicated. It's not it's not as cut and dry as oh well he kidnapped a law enforcement officer. If you place yourself in a position like that, you can expect some scrutiny. It would be the same thing as walking up on a car from the hood just walking from the hood of the car, by the way, when you're walking straight onto a car and all of a sudden the car starts and accelerates towards you and you, you just unload your gun into the vehicle. You've put yourself in that position. You, you, you didn't need to approach it from the front. You didn't need to, you could have approached it from the side. There are alternate things to do. This officer ended up maybe not even by fault of his own in the back seat of the vehicle. I guarantee that the courts are going to look at that. I'm not saying that it's not justified. I'm saying the courts are going to look at this created exigency that we're about to see. So enough of um, her. Let's take a look at. Uh, thank you. Involved shooting body worn camera recording. 3400 block of Baker Street North. And you can skip Washington, through this DC. wherever you want, Drew. Saturday, March 18th, playback 2023 at 8:50 oh, a.m. If you hover over this the video, briefing it'll is let intended you to provide the public around. with information about an officer-involved shooting that occurred in Washington D.C. 
on Saturday, March 18, 2023. You are about to see relevant video recordings to gain a better understanding of what occurred. This incident is still under investigation and all statements in this briefing are based on the details we know at this point. We are committed to being transparent with our community and it's our priority to release this information and inform our community as soon as possible. For privacy purposes. Elijah, it actually have, doesn't give me that. There you go. It gives it to you because. It doesn't give you the option. Now it does. And images of the individuals captured in this video. A word of caution. This video of an officer-involved shooting contains graphic content and strong language. Viewer. All right. So it does contain uh, very graphic content there. Just so you'll know, uh, it, it, this is something that I found interesting. D.C. Code authorizes the U.S. Park Police officers to exercise the same law enforcement powers as the Metropolitan PD within the District First, of Columbia. D.C. Code 5. Trust that an officer. Members so we're going to fast forward just a little bit till we get to the at approximately uh, eight. The upon itself. United States Park raided, then crashed into a house near the intersection of 36th Street Northeast and Clay Street Northeast. Carfax 12. Pull me out at 34th and Baker Street. Um, MPD just flagged me down. They got a call by a suspicious vehicle. We're going to approach the vehicle now. 34th and Baker, quadrant out of the city. 512 Northeast. Temple uh, stations, uh, radio courtesy. 512, there's a uh, there's one appears to be asleep. Um, the ignition is punched out, so maybe stolen. Ten four copy occupied and uh, possibly stolen. Uh, zero nine zero three. I was home and route. Start MPD. Ten four hereby see PD uh, MPD. Metropolitan Police Department and United States Park Police officers were attempting to detain the driver. The vehicle accelerated from the scene with Officer One inside the vehicle. Officer 2 was dragged by the moving vehicle while on the exterior of the vehicle. Officer 1 gave verbal commands for the driver to stop. After the driver did not comply, Officer 1 discharged his firearm. The vehicle then crashed into a home in the 300 block of 36th Street Northeast. The crash caused structural damage to the house. However, there were no physical injuries reported by anyone inside the home. The following recording shows United States Park Police officers responding to the Metropolitan Police Department officers' request for assistance with a reported stolen vehicle. Multiple Metropolitan Police Department and United States Park Police officers approached the vehicle in order to detain the driver. So that's the white Tucson right there, the Hyundai product. And they're sneaking up on it, as you can see. There's different angles that we're going to be able to see in a second anyway, but he's trying to get to the... It, birds are chirping. As you can see, that uh, he's trying to get into the back uh, seat very quietly. He, he has his asp out for a reason. I think he's trying to unlock the front door or something to that effect. But um, And I'm not even sure which officer this is. I'm not sure if this is the officer that ultimately shot the, uh, the suspect, but... Um, what, what they determined was that the, the back window was taped. Uh, it was, there was like clear plastic tape on the, on the back window. So they wanted to cut through that to reach in and unlock the door, which they have a right to do because they're investigating a, a felony, a stolen vehicle. The, 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 uh, you know, your building probable cause by seeing that the 
ignition is smashed, that the window is in the back is smashed, so through your training and experience, you know that stolen vehicles often uh, you know, are entered through a, a back window like that. And also they have smashed ignitions. Uh, and also the fact that this uh, vehicle tag does not come back to this vehicle, it comes back to another vehicle, which is another method that thieves use in, in auto theft. So they've built enough probable cause to at least contact this driver and detain him. And they're very quietly, the best that they can, uh, trying to open the back door after having cut through the plastic to unlock it. They had pre-planned that. We're going to talk about that in a second in a video. And you can see that they are just ever so slightly creeping into the back seat. He's telling everybody, just be quiet, just be quiet. And he's giving it his best shot to kind of get in there uh, quietly. And I'm just trying to use the word quiet as many times as I possibly can in the same sentence. The following recording shows Officer 2 entering the vehicle to assist the Metropolitan Police Department officers with detaining the driver, then being dragged as the vehicle accelerated from the scene. So, like, a, as part of the plan, the, the plan was, uh, you know, that one officer said, well, I can see he's got a hand down his pants. The uh, other hand is unoccupied. So what their goal was, was to get into that, to the car, to grab one arm. And then at the same time, they were going to open the driver door and grab the other arm. So he couldn't So they're telling him, don't move, don't move. And they're trying to grab him. This is uh, the view of the officer in the back. He's a a struggle. They lost control. And what happened was, uh, you're seeing it from this guy's perspective, he took off. And he ran over one of the officers. The following recording shows Officer 1 but there was an the vehicle in the back to assist the Metropolitan Police Department officers with detaining the driver. While Officer 1 was still inside, the vehicle accelerated from the scene. Officer one attempted to communicate with the driver and issued multiple verbal commands for the driver to stop before discharging their firearm. Reminder that this video contains graphic content. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm gonna cut it at the point where he shoots him, but uh, we'll, we'll get as close as we possibly can. Uh, I wanna keep this video on YouTube, so uh, they have rules and I understand it. So. Um, you can see this is like a rehash. This is a rehash. He's got a hold of him, but the kid's kind of strong and he struggles uh, with three or four officers. To to get him off the and he gets his arm away enough to be able to put the car in gear. And he starts driving off, and the officer's telling him, Stop, stop. He's in the back seat. Let me go. Stop or I'll shoot. And that's where he shoots. So he shoots him a, a few times. The guy yells, and uh, from there, the um, uh, the suspect apparently died uh, instantly. But they crashed into uh, a house, a nearby house. So um, that's what happened. That's that's what I'm saying. Uh, this this is kind of a created exigency in a sense um, that uh, you'll you'll hear. In a second, 
uh, one of the sergeants say, whatever you do, don't get in that car. Uh, and if it starts to take off, just get out. Well, that was crazy. Yeah. And, and it, and it just did not go as planned. And that's the way the, the cookie crumbles at times. But, um, I don't think that the officer intentionally jumped in that car with the hopes that the guy would take off. <clears throat> Excuse me, with the hopes that the uh oh, tan, Tansy's good lord, throat strong Tansy. Tansy has infected me with some type of strep throat, and I'm not happy about it. So um, I, I don't think that uh, the officer intentionally jumped in the back seat of that car with the hopes that the guy would take off so he could use deadly force. That's what's being portrayed. That's what they're saying that we just shoot first and ask, ask questions later. This is not a matter of shooting first and ask questions later by any stretch of the imagination. Let's take a look at the, the pre-briefing here. The officer checked the license plate in a law enforcement database, which revealed that it belonged to another vehicle. The officer observed that the ignition of the vehicle was damaged. The vehicle to fast forward in the vehicle and the, the three time stamps for you. That's my fault. Okay, so this is the YouTube, the press release. Uh, so you you can see he sees the guy and then he walks around to the back and then he gets on his radio and that's the radio traffic you heard earlier, uh, 503 or whatever it was. Put me on a suspicious vehicle thing. and run this and tag run for me. And so he runs the tag and determines that it belongs to another car. He gets back in his car uh, after learning uh, where the, the, the vehicle is actually registered to. He, he rolls around to get a good position. The two men on, are in uh, the top. On the other side of him. So here's where I'm saying, okay, from a tactical standpoint, I can't tell you how many drunks. You know, I worked as a midnight shift commander. This is one of my, uh, th this would be in the top, you know, two or three of my uh, biggest fears. I, I certainly don't want to see any one of our officers uh, injured or killed. I certainly don't want to see a citizen injured or killed unnecessarily or, you know, whatever happens, happens. But um, but I also don't want an unnecessary pursuit. And so we, we take, we exhaust all measures before getting into a situation like this. And I, I'm, this is hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, I am not calling these guys out by any stretch of the imagination. They have a rough road ahead of them as it is. Um, but as you can see, if the color of the skin matters to the attorney, then the color of the skin of the officer should matter to the attorney as well. I think every single guy there was uh, was a black male. Every, every officer was black. I, I don't know that factually, but I think that that's the case. Uh, you can judge for yourself when you look at the, the video. So, what normally would happen is say, say you have a, a drunk sitting at a red light that has passed out because it happens frequently here in Florida, uh, two in the morning, you're sitting behind a car at a red light. It's you and in, in this car in front of you, the only two cars on the road at the moment and the light turns green and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then you have to put your failure to stop podcast on pause. So you're pissed. And you go up and you, you put your car in park, which is dangerous enough. You get out of this uh, into this active intersection and you look in the car and you see that the driver's passed out with, uh, you know, a bottle of Crown Royal in his lap or whatever. 
our goal in in that situation is we're, we're going to get a DUI unit to come handle the investigation. We don't want anybody waking up startled and taking off on us because we know that we we have suspicion to believe that they're impaired. So what would we do? We would I would direct uh, one vehicle to to back in basically to this car sitting at the stoplight so that he couldn't move forward. I would move my car forward so that it's touching the bumper so he couldn't back out, maybe put somebody on the side. We have enough to detain this guy. He's not moving. All we're trying to do is get this stable, get the situation stable and remove him from the car. That's all we're trying to do. This is the same thing that these guys did. The only thing different is they did not use any blocking vehicles. I think that's a mistake in my opinion. I, I know, again, hindsight is 2020. Perhaps there was a reason, but if you'll notice, there was a red car, just a regular some citizen's car parked behind the Tucson, so he couldn't go back, and there was nothing in front. There should not have been any reason why you couldn't put a, a patrol car in front of there. There's also a little... Um, just little mini stop sticks you can throw underneath the tire before you make contact, or there's uh, full-on stop sticks. If you don't know what those are, those are used in stolen vehicle uh, in pursuit generally uh, uh, situations where, you know, you throw these spike things across the road and the, the car runs over it and it pierces the tire. So there's little mini versions of that that you can just tuck right under the tire. So if the person does take off, they're not going to get very far because their tire is going to be punctured. And then you can apprehend from there. So there's that. There's just things to keep in mind. So when you're building, when, when the defense is building their case to say that this was not an exigent circumstance, these are the types of things that they're going to look at. Um, so just be aware of that. Let's listen to the plan, though. The guy in the upper left is the camera you're hearing. The back window is just a plastic. I'm going to try to cut that out quietly. Unlock the door. If he doesn't get started, doesn't wake up, then we're going to try to get in there, grab him before he puts that car in gear. You know what I mean? He's got one hand, at least the last time I checked, I'm going to check again, one hand inside his waist. I don't see anything. And then the phone is lying on his shoulder area or, or I'm sorry, chest area. The right hand is actually back. So we can grab that hand, get a hold of that other one. We're good to go. But let's wait to see if he gets started after I cut it. Try to lock the door. Okay. If he does, he takes golf, just let him go. But don't get inside that car until we Okay, that's going to be very important um, because part of their operational briefing that they're having, and, and rightfully so, is if he takes off, just let him go. But it's very important that you don't get into the back of that car. Uh, that's not verbatim what he said, but that is what they discussed which lends me to believe that he didn't intentionally get in the back of the car. He, he, he probably tried to keep a foot out or whatever happened. Uh, I'm not making excuses for the guy. I don't, I don't know for the officer. Uh, I, I don't know. He's going to have to answer to it, but whatever happened, one thing led to another and he was, he ended up in the back seat of that car. All right. Either way, uh, we're going to approach and attempt to see if the tape over window we can gain access to the defense. Just a reminder. Now, if you cut that tape and you can get in, you're going to unlock the door well, for to Remember, i got to unlock it from the exterior. Exactly. So I have to cut, make sure he doesn't get startled. Unlock it quietly. If he doesn't get startled and he's still knocked the hell out, then I can open the door and make entrance for anyone to 
go in there and grab them as soon as possible. Not you. Remember for us, don't grab my dad. Oh, of grab course not. No. Got four kids at home that This is what I'm saying about the, the, them being humans. The, the, the one guy is like, no, I, I mean, I got four kids and I'm like, I don't know where this attorney gets off just assuming that we're out on the hunt for black males in particular. Seems kind of odd to me. The, 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 the chances of you being struck by lightning, whether you're black or white, are higher than you being shot and killed as a black male. That's it. Or, or being shot and killed as a black person. That's the truth. But that's not the truth he's trying to portray. He's trying to get a payday. I think this kid might. See how close that red uh, Hyundai is to the back. Uh, you know, if you're on the podcast, obviously you can't see this. You can go back and watch the YouTube, but um, you probably could not walk between the red vehicle and the back of the allegedly stolen Hyundai. And he is very close to the curb, so it'd be kind of tough. I mean, you know, he could easily pop over the curb, but just placing a vehicle along the side or placing a vehicle in front. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse because I, I know these guys are probably – you know, this is probably very obvious to them at this point, but um, so th they're still trying to sneak their way into the car. You can see in the lower left here that, you know, they're, they're making their way in the back. They've opened the, the door and there's a sergeant up front. He's uh, he's in the he's got his hand on the vehicle behind the rear. I'm, I'm sorry, behind the drivers behind the rear driver's side door. And they're trying to time and coordinate their entry. Um, you can see on the floorboard, there's a bunch of drinks and, um, like a baseball bat. Um, it just, if you've ever recovered a stolen vehicle after, uh, some juveniles have been out joyriding in the middle of the night or breaking into other cars, this is exactly what it looks like, like on the inside. The inside is trashed. I see all of you with your super chats and for Tansy's recovery, Eric, thanks you. He, he would thank you personally, but his uh, voice is not working. Uh, so thank you all for that. Uh, but th they're still making their way in. They open the car. Don't the don't driver, don't sure enough, he jumps up. And they're telling him, don't move. Don't move. And it looks like he's got a phone in between his legs there. Uh, they actually have a hold of his left hand. But he put the car in drive and was able to slip away, at which point he, he ran over one of the officers. We got a vehicle fleeing. So at some point, one of them says, he's in the back seat. Vehicle still. fleeing. We got a he said he's still back in the side of it. It's going to be that high on day two. So, so we got an officer Lincoln. in the vehicle. MPD located the vehicle after it collided with a building in the 300 block of 36th Street Northeast. 
MPD officers assisted with rendering aid on scene. MPD is the leading investigative agency involving the United States Park Police officer-involved shooting. This incident is under review by the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, USAO. When the USAO completes their review, the Department of Interior will handle an investigation for any administrative actions. Okay, so look, this is, uh, this is a case in a matter of, um, of the U.S. Attorney's Office reviewing this, and then the department itself will, will do their administrative review. The U.S. Attorney's Office is going to review this for criminal purposes. And from what I've seen on headlines, that I, uh, articles I have not read yet, but I, what I've seen on headlines is they've opened a civil rights investigation into this. Uh, I think they're kind of obligated to open a civil rights investigation if somebody makes the complaint that this is a civil rights violation. Uh, I go back to what I said in the beginning of this. Wasn't this a civil rights violation of the owner of the Hyundai in the first place? Like, at what point are we going to protect? go back to protecting the citizens and their property? They have a right to, you know, just operate in peace. And uh, I, I think that this is an extremely unfortunate incident. I think a lot of lives are going to be changed because of this. Because, you know, if, if you've ever spent time in law enforcement or you, you've ever spent time at, at a, uh, a Concerns of Police Survivors uh, conference or people just completely underestimate the traumatic stress that goes along with having to shoot and kill somebody. It's, it's a completely different ball game. Your mind is changed forever. It's just like, you know, we have people in the chats that have served in, in, in wartime tactical and, and all these other guys, it, it alters your brain forever. And you're, you don't think the same forever. You, you're, you don't trust people like you used to. You don't, as a result, now your family starts to suffer. Your children are going to suffer. You're going to, you're going to become bitter. You're going to be, you're going to blame yourself. And, and all of these things change. I, I don't know of a cop that has set out in road call that night or any other night to say, I'm going to go out and kill me somebody. I'm going to go shoot first and ask questions later. That's, that's not what happened here. I think the plan went foul uh, I don't think that there was ever an intention to shoot and kill anybody, especially over a stolen vehicle. You can easily make the argument that the, 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 the threshold for use of deadly force is uh, the threat of imminent death or great bodily harm. And that officer felt that they were in an imminent dangerous situation, imminently dangerous situation because the suspect's behavior was not that of compliance. It was that of running another officer over. And he knew that there was an officer in the backseat who was specifically telling him to stop. So whether the guy was just not in his right frame of mind, maybe drugs and alcohol, it was a factor. I don't know. Uh, but I do know that he didn't stop. And the officer felt uh, apparently that, um, there was an imminent threat of death or great bodily harm to himself, and he used deadly force. I think that there still is going to be a long road ahead from the legal standpoint on this case because it's obvious that this attorney is trying to make a point, and this is uh, we're coming up in an election year, and this is the unfortunate part of the United States of America. We can't look at cases on their merit. We can't look at cases uh, on a literal case-by-case -case basis. We have to look at the color of the skin of the perpetrator. We have to excuse their crime if they're a certain race. And 
then we have to look at the color of the skin of the officer and then we have to vilify the officers in general and and this is this is sickening it's it's deteriorating our society it is making you unsafe and th- and that's if we can just get to the tenets of love your neighbor uh if you can just get back to the tenets of uh do unto others as you wish them to do unto you Perhaps if we look at the content of their character and not judge them by the color of their skin, the world will be a better place. But we're stuck. We're stuck in this rut. And for some reason, people want to perpetuate this. And I don't get it. And, and of course, it's easy for me to say I don't get it because I'm, I, I hear it all the time. You're a white man. Of course, you won't get it. But you, you won't get it if you don't hear my side either. So... Uh, open up your minds and open up your hearts. Understand that this is uh, probably a tough legal battle for this officer. It's definitely going to be a tough mental battle. I'm glad that they made it out okay, that they're not injured. I feel sorry for the family of the young man that was killed, but he took his chances. And when you play with fire, you get burnt. And he definitely paid you know, an ultimate sacrifice just for the joyride of that uh, Hyundai if it, if it in fact was stolen, which I – you know, based on their probable cause, I believe it was. So I, I, I think uh, we've covered this comprehensively. I don't know what else to talk about. We certainly can, uh, I, I can, I'd love to take any of your uh, questions or challenges, but um, I think that's kind of it. I mean, uh, listen, just uh, turn off your TV and love your neighbor. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, the Failure to Stop family of podcasts is uh, here for you, and it's here for your enjoyment, whether there's placed ads or we're loosing customers by the dozen. I'm saying that Monday nights with J. Darrell White and Eric Tanzi is a ball of a barrel of laughs uh, it, it, because they're doing their uncuffed comedy version of, uh, uh, of the police news. Tuesdays is... Andrea Uplate and Eric Tanzi doing a, a special show called um, Night Shift, and uh, that covers true crime and true crime stuff. Wednesday, Eric teams up with Dead Leg Media to do Last Call of the Day, so you can have something to talk about as a first responder on the weekends, and you, uh, besides dead babies and domestic violence, and you don't have to sound like an asshole to your friends. Thursday night, John, difficult to look at pictures on Instagram, brilliant artist average person uh, magnificent uh, is uh, teams up and we uh, advocate for the dispatchers and we try to get their voices out there and heard and we do a little fun little show where we break down the just like we did today except we would break down the radio traffic and the 911 calls anything associated with that then we break down the police tactics come on watch it it's black it's a blast and then uh, we're, we're going to, we, which would lead us into the Friday breakdown, which is normally hosted by Eric Tanzi. And then I'm, I am the Jonathan of uh, Eric Tanzi, which would be the co-host. And we have underpaid producer. Who's, uh, who's always in support. I just kind of sit around. He just sits around and, and makes fun little graphics, but please remember, uh, thoughts, T H O T S and prayers for, uh, the transy community, uh, for his, uh, throat strong, uh, and, <laughs> there he is uh and that i can't remember what that was called that was called a light biscuit i believe uh, thin biscuit 
them is called a thin biscuit. So we have a question from the uh, gallery here. My friend Abby Ellsworth, who runs the podcast on being a police officer, who has a, a phenomenal episode that I didn't get to listen to fully with Daniel Carr, who is another one of my favorites. Uh, he is a uh, we're, we're going to have him on at some point, but he's a cop um, in a different state out west uh, near where I was recently. And he um, he is also uh, he put himself through uh, law school. So he's a cop with a JD and, and he has got a very interesting take on a lot of stuff. And they just did, uh, they teamed up for a, a great episode of on being a police officer, but she asked, will the shows air at their usual times next week while you are in Clayton? And the answer to that is uh, yes, probably. Uh, it just depends on uh, Eric uh, to be quite honest, but we, uh, we have full intention of doing the, the shows airing the shows at least uh, when, uh, when we normally do them. Uh, we may not be doing them live. We might be pre-recording Com Center. Uh, there's a talk about that because we're going to be doing a live event. Uh, we might even pre-record it live if that makes sense, like with a live audience, and then you know show it a couple hours later. So uh, look for us then. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to our socials. I'm at uh, at Drew underscore Breezy. You can always find us at Failure to Stop on Instagram. Both of those. Uh, do yourself a favor, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's getting better. It's growing. The whole network is growing. Uh, Elijah's got a team of, uh, of people that are uh, going to impact the way you ingest us. And uh, I can't wait. I'm excited for the future. Deadlegs working very hard on the Patreon end of this and the, the website. Uh, I, 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 we just want to bring you good quality content and we want to grow as a wolf pack and we want you to be right there with, with wolf us. How about that? Oh gosh. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in until next time. Guns up. Giddy up. Oh. <laughs>